college football overtime is back just like college football is. We're, we're, we're through week five. Lots of incredible action. We, we had a, a number one team almost fall on the road. We had a SEC record-setting days from the Rebels. We had Colorado come alive in the second half and nearly jump on USC. Alabama, are they back? Uh, we, we got a lot of action. Week five delivered. It's always those weeks where everybody tells you that it's not a big week. It turns into a big week. Lots of road contests and lots of favored teams on the road. Lots of very interesting football games. Abe, what are your thoughts on a crazy week five? Yeah, it delivers. College football delivers. I'm 38 years old. Every single week of every single season delivers. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess maybe the week before Thanksgiving, if people want to circle one, when teams either are on bye weeks or – you're, you're written in by because you're playing a bum right before your big rivalry. But every week delivers in college football. This was no different. Uh, chock full of, of interesting matchups. Chock, chock full of really good individual performances, be it a, a running back, be it a quarterback, be it a receiver, uh, be it a, a couple guys on the defensive side of the ball uh, as well. So it, it's just another fun week. Uh, we march another week towards the college football playoffs. And we still haven't answered that many questions. So it, the intrigue is building, and, and it's just there's so many teams involved. There's so few teams that have been eliminated at this point. It's very interesting to see. We're almost halfway through the college football season, and uh, your guess is as good as mine who's going to represent uh, the conferences in, in not only the conference championships, but potentially college football playoffs. Yeah, we're getting closer and closer to our first college football playoff ranking coming out in about three weeks. And, Abe, we're going to have to start prognosticating some of that stuff, man. I, I mean, we we have so much action to get to. It's funny. we Whenever we start putting together these rundowns, I, I mean, we, we go back and forth a little bit before we record this show. And just, hey, which games do we want to talk about? And I'm like, ah, oh, we'll keep it fast this week. And and then I'm like, all right, well, we got to talk about this one. we got to talk about that one. Like, we got to talk about Notre Dame. And we got to talk about this and that and that. And now we got to add in the college football playoff. It's just awesome college football action. I mean, this has been just an exciting season. I really think 1 through 15, you have a very realistic odds of potentially representing their conferences in the college football playoff when when it's all said and done. And now that is a long way away. We're still a good ways away from that. Tons of action to discuss here today. We've got Georgia and Auburn. We've got Ole Miss and LSU. But let's get into what exactly we saw from the Georgia Bulldogs on Saturday night. Well, they're worried. No, I'm worried. Like, I'm worried, Abe Gordon. If, if you're a Georgia fan, that is not a national championship-looking team. That team looked vulnerable, especially on defense. They allowed 200 yards rushing for the first time since 2018. I, I don't know, a rundown for college football game time every single Saturday on, from 8 o'clock to, to noon on Sports Radio 92.9 game. So make sure you tune in next time. Um, I had it written down. I think they only had, what, five or six? 150-yard games allowed since, like, 2019 or so, that's that's just the baseline of what the Georgia defense is. They stopped the run, and they didn't do a very effective job against Auburn in that. They had turnovers. They looked kind of sloppy. It's a first-road game, and they didn't really impress me, but you survive in advance. Yeah, and this wasn't a Carson Beck thing either, in, in my opinion. The, the, this was other aspects of the Georgia team. And look, I, I watched the Auburn-Texas A&M game a week and a half ago, going back mm-hmm. to the Saturday before, and Auburn couldn't do anything on offense. And, and so to come in and, and face this Georgia team, supposed to be a vaunted defense, 
look, whether they prove it or not, people, people keep telling me it could be the best defense in the country. And once again, given an opportunity to prove to us that they are national championship worthy, they have a caliber that could get them there. They didn't do that. Now, they weren't the only team to not do that. We'll get to that throughout the show as we, we talk about some of the performances. But at the end of the day, and look, I got some buddies across the country in Pac-12 or, or Big Ten, you know, whatever. They're, they're worried about certain things. And I continue to say this. Don't worry about the rankings. Don't worry about the Heisman. Just win your games. It'll take care of itself in the end. And for Georgia fans, I have to stick with that. I'm telling people who are Oregon fans or wonder, are we going to jump USC this week? Like, don't worry about it. Just win your games. It'll take care of itself. I kind of have to take that same mentality right right, right now in regards to Georgia. As long as you win your games, things are going to take care of themselves. And you've got another tough one next week, although it is going to be at home. If you win that game, things are going to take care of themselves. But they lost a lot of first-place votes this week in the AP poll, and rightfully so. This was a big chance against uh, uh, an opponent they probably should have dominated, and they didn't do it. But at the end of the day, you're right. They went on the road with a quarterback making his first road start in the SEC, backs against the wall, again down double digits, and they get the job done. And and look, he's not going to win the Heisman. He's not going to have the numbers at the end of the day, especially not when you've got quarterbacks left and right with 350, 400, 450 yards, and four or five touchdowns. I understand Brock Bowers is not winning the Heisman. Mm-hmm. Brock Bowers is the most important player in the entire country. This Georgia team is not going to survive the season without him. And they probably don't survive the game on Saturday without him. It was an incredible performance made even more impressive by the fact that Auburn defensive coordinator uh, went on Twitter after the game and was responding to some of the haters and and essentially let the cat out the bag and said, we bracketed Brock Browers all game long. You're telling me this dude is double teeth all game long and he still tuned you up to what? 157 yards and the decisive touchdown. 148 in the fourth quarter alone. And even more so, it's a situation where when I watch Carson Beck take his drop, I'm I'm looking where Bowers is lined up, and you depending on where the screen is, right, and how 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 early he makes his cut, you try and see where he's going to cut. And I'm like, oh, Bowers is looking, or, or excuse me, Beck is looking at Bowers again, and you see the throw, and certainly it's into double coverage, certainly it's into triple coverage, and you know what? Bowers gets the job done. One-handed catch, even ones that were called back. Uh, uh, run after the catch, physical contact, fighting for yards. He is the most important player in the country. I really, truly believe that this Georgia team would be in real trouble without him. And uh, th- there's just not enough to be said. A-, a Mackey Award for Brock Bowers is not enough. No. I don't know. I mean, what he's other... not going to win a Heisman Trophy. He's not. Like, he's he's not, not going to win a Heisman Trophy, but he might be the best player in the country. Yeah, and he'll get rewarded with a top ten draft pick, and and that's that's sure. going to have to be a consolation prize of of some sort. But look, Lad McConkey came back. I thought that was important for this Georgia offense. Mm-hmm. He'll he'll get further involved as he gets a little healthier. Didn't get enough from the run game. That's going to be a problem. Uh, and like you said, they didn't stop the run, and we'll get into it in just a moment with uh, some other SEC games. But 
they've got a real challenge coming next week. They really do. Uh, Kentucky's coming to town next week. We just saw what they did to the University of Florida in their game. Just blow them out. And, and I yeah. know we're going to get into that one here in just a moment, but does this look like a championship team? No, uh, no. Look, we 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 said this uh, on college football game time before Georgia went down on the planes and, and and had a fourth quarter comeback. I said, if you take away your your preconceived notions and your understanding of what the program has been the past two years, there are a lot of teams that deserve first place votes, and I'm not sure Georgia would be one of them. And, and now I understand why they're getting first place votes. I understand sure. why they're still ranked where they are. But this was just another example of a game where there's no real reason for them to be getting first-place votes after this sort of performance. Uh, I, I think we've seen, uh, you know, Miami's 4-0. Louisville is undefeated. They're not getting first-place votes. And, and I'm not saying that they should, but G Georgia really hasn't been any more impressive than a number of the. They haven't been as impressive as Kentucky, if we're being honest, uh, and what they did to Florida. So, um, they they... they it, they, they've got to figure out a way to be complete. Yeah. So, they don't look like a complete team. They don't look like a complete team. They've got some glaring issues right now. I don't think Carson Beck's necessarily an issue. I think his aggressiveness leaves something to be desired. And he was throwing the ball down the field a little bit more in this game, specifically to Brock Bowers, like we mentioned. But I want to see more of Ladd McConkey. Uh, of course, he's not 100%. Yeah, you will. He won't you be will. for a few weeks. But we're going to see him more in a couple of weeks. Um I think this is a team that's – it's a championship-level team because I don't think that there's another team that can run with them at the end of the day. Um, you play at Jordan-Hare. That place is a wild place to play. There are some crazy things that happen. But if you look down the schedule down the way a little bit, you have Ole Miss at home. I think Tennessee is a wounded animal. And, and uh, they had – I think it was Jalen Wright. or, or He had a pretty successful rushing attack. But Joe Milton, he left a little bit to be desired in that game against South Carolina. Uh, that is going to be a tough contest for Georgia, but we'll see. That's coming up in November. That's going to be a big, big contest for them. They need to take care of Kentucky next week, but it is in Athens, and I think that that serves them pretty well. Um, but I do want to move on to Ole Miss because last week we saw a coach and an offense that was left for dead. It was the lowest output of the Lane Kiffin era. Um, and then this week they go out and set an SEC record with 700 plus total yards of offense. This is just just a, a monster display of offense or, or just a lackluster display of defense. You'd be the judge. But, look, Lane, Kiff, like Lane Kiffin had a great day. Quinchon Jenkins had a great day. I know we had talked about Jackson Dart needing to be a superhero in this game. That's exactly what he was. 389-yard throwing, four touchdowns, a goose egg when it comes to interceptions. He also attacks on 50 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Quinchon Judkins finally had the breakout game that we have been praying for all season. He looked healthy in this game. I think we, he, should, he probably shouldn't have gone in that Georgia Tech game. He was a little banged up there. He looked pretty brutal last week against Alabama, and he finally broke out in a big way. And I think the most important thing, Trey Harris was back. Trey Harris is our number one wide receiver. He scored a touchdown in every single game that he has played this season. He missed the last two. 153 yards in that one and a touchdown. What did you see from this Ole Miss offense? Are we underselling them after – do we overreact to what that loss was for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss last week against Alabama? And then are, is this still a team that you can buy as a potential SEC West contender? Well, look, we, we, we've seen them against what we presume to be a pretty good defense in Alabama, and they really, really struggled. No one presumes this to be a really good defense for LSU. And, no. and that's where you're trying to judge 
whether they figured something out, whether it was play calling, whether it's using playmakers like Judkins and Harris, as you mentioned, using Dart with his legs a little bit, or it's just this uh, LSU defense that kind of anyone can get. I, I mean, Arkansas tuned them up to a boatload of points and yards last week and, and maybe led me to believe that Arkansas was back a little bit. And that maybe that was not quite the case based on how they performed uh, on Saturday. So I think it's really tough to credit this to Lane Kiffin, credit this to Jackson Dart and, and the playmakers. I, I think this is an LSU defense and, and I'm going the other way with this. Uh, LSU is not the uh, best team in the SEC West. They're not the second best team in the SEC overall. They're a team that is going to have to outscore every opponent that they play. And and look, most weeks, Jaden Daniels and company, Malik Neighbors and company, they they might be able to do that. Um, But they weren't able to do it Saturday, and and rightfully so. Um, This was an atrocious defensive performance. And you can credit Ole Miss. Your Junkins looked outstanding. You're right, 177 yards. Uh, only had the one touchdown on the ground. Did add the one through the air a- as well. Um, and, and he's he's a real problem if he can get to that second level. But I think a lot of this, unfortunately, was more about LSU and, and their deficiencies on that side of the ball. So I, I'm not going to get back into you know did Lane Kiffin get his energy back and was he re-sparked by what happened down at Alabama. I, I don't think it's that. I, I don't think that's how it played out for Jackson Dart either. I, I think this is just uh, a really bad defense and an offense that is exposed enough to take advantage, and that's what they did. Yeah, I mean, this is two, these are just two great offenses they had. It was just a, an incredible display of offense. Um, more than, what was it, 1,200 yards total, 1,300 yards total of offense. Yeah, 13, because LSU had 1,300 630. So, yeah, I mean, they had 630-something. So, What's you know, up with the good. SEC nowadays, man? They, this this used to be the the, the the vaunted defenses of the SEC are out the window, I guess. But um, just an incredible display for them. I don't really know if either of these teams are going to be contending for an SEC West crown at the end of the day. I, I think Alabama's really taken that title. Um, I, I know they looked a little sluggish at times uh, this season, especially against South Florida, and then and the loss, the loss detected. But I think there are just some glaring weaknesses elsewhere in the SEC West, specifically with LSU and defense. Ole Miss, they already got the win. Um, so move along from there. Alabama's in complete control right now. I agree. Auburn doesn't have an offense. Texas A&M, I think, is just too inconsistent on a week-to-week basis. They, they showed some fatal flaws when they lost to Miami. But then again, they looked pretty damn good when they played Auburn, and then they, they looked pretty damn good again. Last week when they played Arkansas, maybe it's Max Johnson. Maybe it's just that maybe that's what they need. Maybe he, Connor Wegman wasn't the dude for them, or, or I don't know. Uh, like Texas A&M is just a woefully inconsistent team, and I think that comes down to your head coach. Um, but that's a different discussion for a different time. Uh, the SEC West, I think it still runs through Tuscaloosa. I think it really does, and and I know we're going to get into that here in just a moment. Actually, let's go ahead and move on. Did you have any other thoughts on Ole Miss LSU before? No, I, I mean, look, it, it was a fun game to watch. I'll say it that. Fun. It was super uh, just throughout the, the entire game. It kept you in tune. So it was a yeah. fun game to watch. It pushed, pushed the Alabama-Mississippi State game on ESPN News for like a quarter and a half, it seemed. Um, but, but it, yeah, it, it, it was just entertaining as all get out. And uh, so for that, I appreciate it keeping me up through – uh, you know, the later hours of, of Saturday, yeah. but uh, other than that, got your I, adrenaline I, pumping for sure. It did it, it but uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think you saw two teams that 
are good, not great. Uh, I don't think any of them are, are deserve to be ranked in the top 10 at this point or probably at any point in the season, and and uh, justifiably so. Yeah, the SEC West as a whole just feels – just the SEC in general feels like it's a little down right now. They're playing possum. Um, Tennessee looks vulnerable. Um, South Carolina, mm, Auburn, Florida, Kentucky, Georgia's look kind of listless at times. I mean, it's very interesting. It's early. We're week five. Uh, but Alabama in, specific, in particular, I think this was a team, they needed a performance like this. They really needed a performance like this, especially to go on the road to Mississippi State and get a win like this. I understand it's Mississippi State. It's likely the bottom dweller of the SEC, SEC West, I should say. Um, but this is still a respectable bunch. Will Rogers and company, I mean, this is a, a pretty good offense, and they held them to 17 points on the road. Uh, but more importantly, Alabama had a little bit of balance in this game. I understand you had 164 yards passing, 193 yards on, on, on the ground. It's not pretty. It's not very pretty. But this is the way that this team is going to have to win football games. You win with dominating defense, stifling defense, forced turnovers, three interceptions on Will Rogers. That's what you got to do. And that's, what the, that's, that's kind of Nick Saban's forte. That's what it was for many years before the Lane Kiffin years opened up the offensive side. So I, I feel like people have forgotten that's exactly what Alabama likes to do, and that's, like the, that's how they want to win. They play bully ball, and we saw them get back to bully ball finally against Ole Miss last week, and then I, I think it continued this week against Mississippi State. Yeah, I think you're spot on, and I think they have to win like this, and I think they've recognized that and are sliding into a really comfortable spot on offense where you're you're limiting what you're asking Jalen Milrow to do. He threw 12 mm -hmm. passes. He completed 10 of them. 164 yards, as you mentioned. Uh, he was the leading rusher, uh, a lot of that due to a 53-yard touchdown run, uh, but he added a second touchdown run, a shorter one later. Jace McClellan still running hard, body blow, body blow, body blow, and you're really able to run games out down the stretch. And you're relying on that defense. They had an early pick six. That certainly helped separate these two teams. But it, it does feel like the old Alabama, the old Nick Saban, where – You've got a game manager type at quarterback, albeit this one certainly much more electric and much more athletic than some of the traditional guys that you're used to saving throwing out there from a, a, an era a couple uh, years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're in that comfort level right now where – and we did see it a week ago. Uh, I, I, you look, I know Jalen Milrow had the bad interception against Ole Miss in the end zone, but I think separate of that throw – I think we saw Alabama working through a couple things in what he can do and what they can ask him to do and, and figuring out where their comfort level is. And, and that really was spotlighted in this one with the accuracy, with the decision-making, not putting the ball in harm's way uh, and, and taking what the defense is giving you. And, and it rolled up to 40 points. And, and so lean on your defense. Let your quarterback make plays, arms or legs, whatever he's comfortable with, uh, and then use the rest of your assets. And this is an Alabama team that, yes, there was a lot of back and forth of just what they would be this year, how good they were, rightfully so after the Texas loss, but also after the debacle of benching Milrow and that quarterback yeah. situation against USF and all that. You got to move past that. You grow up. They've for, grown up for, from that. They, I think they've really grown up from that. They have. So now it's up to our perception to move on because yeah. this is not the same Alabama team you saw two weeks ago 
and three weeks ago. This is a totally reborn program, and they are, as you mentioned in the lead-in, looking like the very clear best team in the SEC West. I I, I would be shocked um, if they don't handle business again this coming week against Texas A&M to even further stamp that. Uh, because if they take care of business against the Aggies, uh, I don't see who else is standing in their way from another SEC championship berth for Nick Saban, Alabama. And, and again, forget about how they looked against USF. Forget about how they looked against Texas. Forget about some of the poor decisions from Jalen Milrow. They're running things differently. It's working for them. Uh, and they look to be back this season. Yeah, it's not sexy. So it's certainly not sexy. You you run the ball 43 times. You only attempt a throw 12. So yeah. this it doesn't have to be sexy as long as you get wins. And, it, and if you're winning by double digits, it's a you're blowout. Doing great. Yeah, it's a blowout. It's a blowout win. It's a blowout win. You win by 23 points, you're in great shape. You know, any road victory in the SEC is a big deal. We just talked about Georgia and Auburn. You win on the road, that's a big deal in the SEC. It's a tough place to play. Uh, all those cowbells raining down. <laughs> it's not a place that I would really want to play. But, look, at the end of the day, they're the 12th rated team in the country. I think they're going to ride up just a little bit here in the next coming week. It's not going to be sexy. It's not going to be fun to watch. They're going to play murder ball. And they're just going to beat teams up. And at the end of the day, I just don't think there are a lot of teams that can withstand that barrage, if you will, uh, of, of just body blow after body blow after body blow because they can out-talent just about anybody on their schedule. I don't know if LSU is going to be able to run with them. Texas A&M, Auburn might be an interesting contest, though. Uh, that's a game that, that I don't want to look too far ahead. Obviously, that's last week of the season, and I'm not trying to look all the way there. Uh, but – I think that, that that's going to wind up being a very ugly game, kind of old school football. Two teams who cannot throw the ball. They, I don't. I, I think they live in. They prefer to live in a world there where there is no such thing as a forward pass. Whenever those two teams end up playing, but you know, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and um, I, we'll see. We'll see when we get down there. But speaking of the antithesis of what those two offenses like to do, when I'm talking about Auburn and Alabama, how about USC and Colorado? We got two damn good quarterbacks. I, when we John Fricky asked us, so the, uh, our, our third mic uh, on the college football show, college football game time that we do every single Saturday from eight o'clock to noon on Sports Radio ninety two nine. The game. He asked us a question, Abe, and he said, "Who? Which quarterback has been the most impressive in the country?" And I said, "Shooter Sanders, because of the way that he's been playing, despite getting hit as much as he's been hit, despite losing his top player and Travis Hunter, and I think he showed us on Saturday." how important he is to this offense. He, he was anemic against Oregon. I don't lay that at his feet at all. They weren't going to walk in and win that football game. I thought that this game coming into this week, it was a much more winnable contest for Oregon, or excuse me, for Colorado. And they showed that they had every opportunity to win this game, but they also had every opportunity to lay down. And I think we learned a lot about Deion Sanders. We learned a lot about Deion Sanders' team. We learned a lot of, about what this team could be in the coming years. They were getting blown out. They were getting laughed at. People thought that this is just the same old thing that was going to happen last week, but they're back at home in Colorado and Boulder, and they don't lay down. And they almost come back and win this football game. I was very, very impressed with what I saw from Colorado. No, they don't get the win, but there is such thing as a moral victory when you're trying to rebuild a football program, and that's what Deion Sanders is trying to do over there with the Buffaloes. You have a reigning Heisman Trophy winner. 
in Caleb Williams, and you bring him into town, he, of course, goes buku. Uh, he has a really strong day, but that's not the point. You have a moral victory, and, I, and I'm comfortable saying that. Normally, I'm not a big fan of those, especially in football and sports in general. Moral victories are kind of lame. But when you were trying to put together the building blocks of a program, that's what he did. Yeah, I mean, look, they were down, as you mentioned, they were down 34-7 to seven, uh, before rallying and, and trying to get this thing to be a little bit interesting down uh, the stretch. Uh, to me, the bigger concern, unfortunately, is USC and, and that defense. And, mm-hmm. and look, I'm not trying to pull the story away from Colorado or Shador Sanders, but – Well, the story um, needs to be USC. I, I, yeah, it just with, – with respect to Prime and building the program at Colorado, they had their moment. Uh, and they're going to play out the rest of the season. They're going to get a couple more wins. It's going to end up being sure. a very successful season, uh, at least by my standards, if, if they win the games that I believe they should and can win. And they've got three or four uh, more wins coming on this season. And so yeah. uh, in, in advance, congratulations on what he has accomplished. His son is an absolute baller, belongs in the NFL, and I think he's proven that uh, over the course of these five weeks, uh, even without – uh, help from the, the the five guys in front of him being the offensive line, but they have some playmakers, and it's their fun brand to watch when they're not getting manhandled like they were a week ago against Oregon. But when you're talking about USC and you're talking about the Pac-12 and you're talking about what they can do offensively, I don't know, and I've said this before, I, I don't know if they can win a national championship with the level of defense that they are playing. And, and we saw Oregon I don't know completely. Think it win the Pac-12, Abe. Well, look, winning let's the Pac-12 is. Let's not talk about a national title game. Let's not talk about a. Yeah. Let's not talk about a national title game. Let's talk about the Pac-12. I don't think that they can beat Oregon. I don't think they can beat Washington right now. It, I don't it, think they have. It, I don't think they have enough of a defense. You have to be able to play all phases of a football game. Yeah. And Lincoln Riley has not shown that he can do that. He cannot well, coach a team that can play all phases of football. And it, it's look. I don't know if they shut it down or, or what exactly went on. But if you're going to have the level of defense that SC plays and you want to compete, you had to do what the old Oklahoma teams did, where, where you're dropping like 60 or 70 points. What, the old Oklahoma conference teams opponents. that didn't win? Well, but they the won the conference. I'm talking about the conference. Yeah, because they, they were playing with a lifeless Texas team, and that was really the most the most competition they had on any given year. Well, well no, I, I completely disagree. Because it's, you go back go, – Garrett, go back, back to the – well, go back Let's to the 08. Back. No, because you brought it up. I'm going to make my point here. <laughs> if you go back to sure. the 08 Thank national you. championship game where Florida won their second in three years with Tim Tebow sure. and Urban Meyer, that was an Oklahoma team that ran more plays than any team in the country. They were one of the top five offenses in the country, and they competed with Florida the entire way. Jermaine Gresham was a madman. Sure. And they compete. So uh, let, let's not just throw away and say that. Yeah, that Lincoln team could Riley win. was a graduate assistant. Lincoln that Riley team, was a graduate but assistant. But that team let's, was a championship caliber team. But don't just say they I'm couldn't win by running that Lincoln offense. Ryan. They could. They could win by they, running they offense facets, like that. There are other facets of their game. There are other facets of the game. that, that was The Stoops' defenses were pretty good. You have Brent Venables, who was your defensive coordinator there. I, I'm not going to compare those two. That was also 15 years ago. I, I agree it was a different Lincoln era. Riley. I'm my, talking my, about Lincoln Riley as a head coach. Like We go back the last decade of him at Oklahoma and now subsequently at, at USC. It's the most consistent thing has happened. I mean, they had they said it, they had the worst defense to play in a college football playoff period in 2018, and they get they get they lost in the first round to Georgia because for no other reason than their defense couldn't stop a nosebleed in the second half. It's it's something that has reared its ugly head with him time and time again. Yes, the guy can coach the hell out of a quarterback, 
Caleb Williams showed that. He had six touchdowns on Saturday. But you let Colorado back into this football game because they don't play all phases of the game. They just don't. And look, like you said, you might you mentioned that they had a big lead. Maybe they took their foot off the gas. That's a separate question entirely, and it's still an issue. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And look, going going back to the Pac-12, I do agree with you. I I, I think I find it very tough to believe that an Oregon team that seems like they have both sides of the ball finally um, mm-hmm. are going to struggle. Uh, same thing for Washington. I think Washington State can ramp it up too. And it's just too many games, too many games to rely on one side of the ball. And whether you can win a shootout once or twice, like we saw Ole Miss do, right? Like, it's great that Ole Miss can outshoot LSU. What happened when they faced Alabama? And I think USC is going to run into that a time or two. And that's not to say that they can't beat an Oregon or a Washington. But what but about can Notre they Dame? do every single week? Yeah, Notre Dame's coming coming down the line Utah. as well. Um, it's going to be real tough. Uh, and and I, I don't see any – the other thing is I, I don't see any – way out of this like they're not going to get better I mean maybe you you take a look at firing your defensive coordinator Alex Grinch maybe that's a decision that has to be made probably should be made maybe you give it another week and and see where you're at but um, Heisman or not uh, this is not a a well-rounded enough team at this time despite all the issues I mean how many times did we hear they got transfers it's the second year they're going to be better on defense I've seen it. They're not better on defense. And I told you guys, it was a worry for me when Arizona State got into the 20s a week ago. It's even bigger concern when a Colorado team that was essentially limited by Oregon got into the 40s. And foot off the gas or not, a team dropped 40 on you after one of your bigger rivals for the Pac-12 held them to six points or whatever it was. Uh, and it's going to be a very tough ride for USC offensively to to get through the gauntlet that is the Pac-12. It is. It is. And it's going to be the most exciting thing in college football this year, specifically the Pac-12. I, I'm yeah. very bullish on, on that conference. I think it's a lot of fun. Pac-12 after dark, it's going to have its curtain call. Uh, and coming up in two weeks, speaking of the Pac-12, we've got Washington and Oregon. So we're going to learn a lot about the, that conference here just very soon. That's before we get into the rivalry games like Washington State and the Civil War with the Apple Cup, with the Apple Cup, the Civil War. Mm. Uh, I mean, UC, USC and Utah is going to be a fascinating game, but hopefully Cam Rising is healthy. Um, yeah. I, I just hope that guy comes back and is something here soon. But Notre Dame, I mentioned them very quickly. When it, the, the, that's going to be an upcoming matchup for USC. Um, I can't recall if they're going to Notre Dame or if Notre Dame's coming to Los Angeles, but they had the heartbreaker just the absolute heartbreaker against uh, Ohio State. And they rebound a kind of a sluggish game against Duke. Uh, I know I was going back and forth on Saturday whether or not to pick Notre Dame or Duke um, because this is the kind of sort of the game that I expected to see. Uh, I, I thought that Notre Dame was going to come out and look sluggish and Duke was going to be able to take advantage. Of course, I ended up taking Notre Dame. Fortunately, I did because, of course, they win by seven. Riley Leonard is a man on fire. He's a man on fire. I was so impressed with what I saw from him. He has been just a tremendous football player for the Blue Devils this season. Uh, Mike Elko and company, they've got Duke moving in, a, in such a positive direction. Uh, and is Riley Leonard coming back for next year, or is this his final year? Because if it, I hope he comes back next year. He's going to get on that hype train. 
It, it, I would not be surprised if he's almost forced to come back. This ankle injury is going to be a real problem for him. High ankle sprain. Yeah. He's going to be out multiple weeks. Um, but also, it's just such a super quarterback-heavy class. Uh, I don't think he's going to be in that discussion for one of the top five or six guys. So I wouldn't be surprised if he does indeed come back for Duke uh, and, and, and do it again, especially if he misses more than like three weeks here of this, of this season due to that injury. Yeah, and, and we talked about quarterbacks. One of the quarterbacks in this game, Sam Hartman, turned put on his he put on his cape and he became Superman for a play. He was he was a slow locomotive making his way on fourth and seventeen. He gets down there and uh, I think it was fourth and sixteen. He goes seventeen yards slow. He was lumbering. Oh that come on! It up. wasn't that bad. That guy's was, a, come it was, on. It was pretty. It was pretty tough to watch, but nobody oh, was there. Get out of I get he's not Jalen Milrow, but come on. It's not that bad. What are you <laughs> he, doing? He's, it looked like Peyton Manning out there, man. Like, the dude doesn't know how to run. I, he, if he was running a 40-yard dash, I think he's he's clocking like a five and a half or something, man. That was slow. But you know what? It was enough to get the job done. And he handed the ball off two plays later to a guy who does know how to run, Audrey Estime, and he punched in the, the game winner, man. But Notre Dame – this team, man, this team, you've got to have some antacids and lit and whiskey if you're going to be watching this team, if you're a fighting fighting Irish fan, because that's really the only way that I can do this, man. This has been such a fascinating season for them, and it's only going to get more difficult because you've got Louisville coming next week. You've got Louisville next week. The, next, the week after that, you've got USC. You, you've already played Ohio State. You're going to have to play Clemson at some point this season. The, the schedule for Notre Dame is unbelievable. It's incredible. It's not one of those years from the past where they, they just sort of make do and play Navy, and that's probably one of their big games of the year. And then you have USC, and that's, that's your marquee matchup. No, 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 no. This, this Notre Dame team, they got some dogs, man. They got some dogs. And Marcus Freeman, that's a tough schedule for these guys. But I, I, I'm kind of reversing my, my thought from earlier in the season. I know they're not going to have that undefeated mark, and they're not going to have a conference championship. If they finish up the rest of this schedule, eleven and one, and some other teams start beating themselves up, namely in the SEC and the the Pac-12, and say Texas Texas goes undefeated, FSU goes undefeated, and maybe you have the team out of the Big Ten, but the SEC cannibalizes itself. Maybe they look kind of flawed. You have the Pac-12 that looks pretty top heavy, but they look like they have a ton of teams up there that are going to beat each other up. Why not Notre Dame? Yeah, they they've got to get there first, and and based on what sure. I saw Saturday night, I'm not sure they will. Now they they and they're going to need help because of Florida State and because of Texas and Oklahoma, as you mentioned. Um, this was not the same team, in my opinion, that played Ohio State. I, I do not like what I saw up front uh, on either side of the ball from them, specifically on offense. I I was surprised they could not get more of the run game going. I thought Estime was primed for a big showing. Didn't happen. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if it was an emotional letdown or, or exactly what was going on. I thought they would handle Duke. And look, maybe I, I'm not giving enough credit to Duke, and I think we do need to give them their flowers. You gave it to Riley Leonard, but uh, there was 21 other guys on offense and defense who yeah, played their butts off. Um and the crowd as well was ramped up for that one. And it took everything Notre Dame had uh, to get this one. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I didn't tweet it out. I, I refrained as much as I could from texting you and John Fricky. I don't like Marcus Freeman on game day, man. Like, I, I just 
they I thought Notre Dame was in position to put this game away multiple times through the second and third quarter, and they couldn't do it. Um, and I don't know if that's a player thing. I don't know if that's a coach thing, but I, I, I'm just I'm not going to trust him in big games. And I thought they were very lucky to pull this one out. If we're being honest, I, I really do. Um, now, part of that is the mark of a good team, right? You backs against the wall and you find a way. I mean, Ohio State had no business winning a week ago, but they did. Um, they win. Yeah, and they're not going to be the only team that had no business winning a game that they end up winning. Uh, but I thought Notre Dame was going to come in here, have some confidence based on essentially taking Ohio State to the brink. And uh, I think it went the other way. I don't know what it was, but I, I expected more from their offensive line, defensive line, and I didn't see it. I think it's going to be very tough for them, uh, as you mentioned. Louisville, uh, they've got the offense cooking. I, I, I would like – to think that they can get past Louisville, but even welcoming SC uh, in a couple of weeks is going to be very, very difficult. Although, as we just discussed, what can SC do against top teams with good offenses based on what they have defensively? So it, there's certainly yeah. a lot of matchup to be discussed there. But um, look, they may get through the, the remainder of their, their schedule undefeated. Uh, but I thought I'd come away more impressed with Notre Dame than I did. And, uh, again, it's been kind of a trend. I just, it's just another team where I have more questions than answers based on a performance. Well, it's going to be another tough test for them again this week. Yeah. You got Louisville. You got to travel to Louisville, Kentucky, to play a pretty good team, uh, I might add. Um, I think we still have a lot to learn about Notre Dame. We have a lot to learn about Louisville in particular. And that's a game that I'm particularly interested in um, because of, well, they're undefeated. They, they've looked pretty good at times. They've also looked pretty pedestrian at times. They had the, the spotlight on them on Friday night uh, when they played NC State, and they did not look very good at all. Um, I know they played Georgia Tech, and, and they kind of got taken to the woodshed in the first quarter, first half against Georgia Tech. So I, I think they've got an interesting test set up for them, and I think that Jeff Brom's going to have his guys ready to go for that one. But I want to see what Marcus Freeman does. I want to see how they respond after for their third straight ranked matchup. Yeah. Um, and then you have USC on the other side too. So that screams trap game to me potentially uh, because you have USC the the next week. And I'm just looking at this schedule, by the way, I don't want to get, I don't want to put the card ahead of the horse here, but the matchups that we have in week seven, this isn't obviously found on our rundown. So I'm going off script here. Well, I texted, like, you, my, right I texted you my top five games. I didn't even have Notre Dame Louisville wow. as one of them, but I mean, you've got, you No, I'm talking not, not next, not this weekend. I'm not even talking about this week, and I'm talking about the week after that. You've got Oregon uh, and Washington here. Yeah, you've got no every uh, week Miami playing Miami playing North Carolina, UCLA and Utah. Uh, let's see, it's Missouri and Kentucky fighting for likely the second best team in the SEC East. Uh, Auburn and LSU. That's a that's a sneaky good game right there. Louisville and Pittsburgh, eh, not really great there, but you know it, it's it's just college football in a nutshell. But obviously, it's headlined by USC, Notre Dame, and then. Uh, Washington and Oregon, and I—that's—that's that's how college football is, you know. It's my favorite. It's the best sport in the world for a reason. Um, I, I just absolutely adore it. But moving on to a team, I do want to talk about that, and we need to give them some flowers. The Texas Longhorns are five and zero for the first time since two thousand nine, because that's the last time that they won a Big Twelve title. And I think that they are well on their way to winning a Big Twelve championship. But we're going to learn a lot more 
when you get the Red River shootout coming up here in just a little bit. So uh, what did you see from Texas in a day that Jalen Daniels doesn't play for Kansas, which is just one of the biggest bummers. There's a big reason why they were held to 0 of 8 on third downs. and uh, But really it was that Texas offense that took sold the show, Quinn Ewers and company, 661 yards, which is the most in school history for a Big 12 game. Abe, this Texas team, they look like they're rolling right now. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll – I kind of want to go the other way, to, to be honest with you. I was not impressed with Texas. This was a very slow first half. Now, they dialed it up in the second half, and you get the final score that you sure. get. And it did not become a game. But, uh, look, they, they've got Oklahoma next week, and they better bring it in those first 30 minutes because this was a game that was uh, 13-7 heading into half. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, we, we've got to get a little bit more. Now, the good news for Texas is is what they discovered in that second half, and that was Jonathan Brooks uh, to the tune of 218 yards and two touchdowns. It looks like they have their lead back to replace um, Bijan Robinson kind of figured out uh, now, and they needed yeah. to do that heading into this game against Oklahoma next week. And, and look, they are uh, one of these teams that is really benefiting by Georgia and, and their lack of domination this year. Uh, Texas picked up a lot of first-place votes. If Texas gets the win next week, don't be surprised. I, I mean, Georgia theoretically would have a win over Kentucky, so maybe not. But Texas, if they're able to look strong against Oklahoma, keep an eye out on just how high they could jump in the AP poll. They might jump Michigan. They might even jump. Georgia, depending on how things play out in each of those respective affairs. But I thought this was uh, – it was good for Texas to have to fight and struggle a little bit. It didn't come easy. Yeah. It didn't come easy against Wyoming, right? They, they had three slow quarters against Wyoming. Now they have a slow half against Kansas. Um, you know, we've talked about Georgia and the slow starts for Georgia in a couple of recent editions of college football overtime. I do think we have to say the same thing about Texas. They've got to get off to a better start, um, but ultimately they get the job done. It does look impressive uh, when, when the scoreboard finally does hit zero. Uh, but Quinn Ewers, uh, you got to avoid the interception that he had. Um, and, but you do like the balance of the offense. 336 on the ground. 325 through the air, uh, and that was uh, important for them, for, for Jonathan Brooks, to really have this blowout game heading into the Red River shootout. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm re- all eyes are going to be on those two teams because I think much to the begrim of uh, the Big 12 conference, it's likely going to come down to these two teams again. Um, well, l- let me say this real quick. I, 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 early on in the season, I did not have belief that Oklahoma was going to step onto a field with Texas and compete. And I, I've seen them the last couple of weeks uh, against Cincinnati, a 14-point win against uh, what I thought was a decent team, but maybe they're not. Uh, but certainly this past weekend, uh, you want to talk about teams dialing it up and figuring a couple things out. Oklahoma's offense was outstanding uh, yes. in that game against Iowa State uh, to the tune of a fifty burger, and uh, they're they're peaking at the right time for for this matchup in Dallas next week. So uh, it, it's another one that I thought maybe Texas had a handle on this conference, not so fast. Uh, I think Oklahoma is going to be a real real challenge. That being said, if Texas handles business based on what you just said and the remainder of the conference move out because they've essentially got their spot 
reserved in the college football playoffs, barring a major, major surprise. Yeah, that would take a pretty massive meltdown from from Texas at this point to uh, to really fall apart here. But I'm looking down the schedule. You've got number 12 Oklahoma in the Red River Shootout. You've got at, you're at Houston. You've got BYU, Kansas State at TCU, at Iowa State, Texas Tech at home. I get a lot of meh. I don't really see a team, but you know what? That's what the Big 12 does. Like the Big 12 is known to have teams kind of jump on you late in the season. Uh, that's something that they they've kind of become a calling card that conference uh, just over the past couple of years, someone on there might give them some trouble. I mean, Kansas State, that's a team that's pretty good. It's, they've shown that they've been pretty good. That's the reigning Pac- or Big 12 champion, by the way, uh, a team that's now unranked because they're lost. they've stumbled a couple of times this season, but don't fall asleep on those guys. Um, but overall, Texas, they've been pretty impressive. Um, by and large, Quinn Ewers. A.D. Mitchell, I was really impressed in, see- in seeing what he did. On Saturday, he really goes over. He has a great game, 141 yards from him. But it's Quinn Ewers, most of all. He's the dude who just looks like he's settled into the role of QB1. He, I think, what was it? I think John Bricky mentions, like, we haven't heard the name Arch Manning a single time in the season because Quinn Ewers has looked just incredible. Uh, he, he's, he's kind of lived up to the billing of that generational level talent that he was when he was a recruit. But I do want to talk, finish up here. Uh, I know your Gators didn't look very good. And I, I think it all came down because of Ray Davis just running buck wild. Uh, I think at 150 yards in this game in, in the first quarter, he had finished with 200 yards by the end of the, by halftime. Abe, Florida, Florida allowed 328 yards total this season. Total. They allowed 329 on Saturday. We might've gotten, we, we put the cart in front of the horse for Florida, man. Not we. I, I'm not overly surprised by this effort. I, I did not like how they looked a week prior to uh, Charlotte and uh, against Charlotte, excuse me. And and, and you sure. saw a lot of those issues creep up here. Um, but yeah, th- this was the Ray Davis show. If you got an early sneak preview of one of my one week wonders, well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> 280 yards, three touchdowns. Honestly, if this game were competitive, if this game were close, he would have topped three bills, but they didn't need to to, to rely on him. Uh, too much, but but let's also not look past what Devin Leary is still unable to do. Nine of nineteen for sixty-nine yards. Well, um, I mean, but here's the thing: you're not you're not going to be throwing the ball over the field if you're running the ball. Okay, but, but if one you've yards got the, per carry. But, but here's the point, Garrett: mm-hmm. if, if your running game is so efficient and, and you're dynamic and your your chunk plays, you got to be. I mean, you can't have ten incompletions. Yeah, you, you can't right. have nine That's completions good. and ten incompletions. You've got to be better. You've got to be at that Jalen Milrow number, right? Like where you're 10 of 12. Uh, you got to find easy throws. And so it's a concern for Kentucky a little bit if Jay, you know, Jalen Milrow, excuse me, if Devin Leary can't be a little bit more efficient with the ball. I mean, 69 yards passing. Yeah, it gets you done against Kentucky because a guy has a game of a lifetime. What happens yeah. if he doesn't have a game of a lifetime? And what happens so, when you play play at Georgia next week? Well, look, Georgia gave up their fair share of rushing yards too, and I'm really Quarterback. interested. Quarterback. But yeah, yeah, Not to yeah certainly, certainly. Um, but but it is it is something that they're going to have to do uh, a little bit cleaner if they're going to beat Georgia, and I think that's the point. Ray Davis is great. He tooled up the Florida uh, defense. There's no doubt about it, and it was. A lot of individual Ray Davis efforts. It's a lot of cuts and a lot of broken tackles. This was not wide gaping holes. 
Uh, This was Ray Davis being a grown man at home on Saturday. So congratulations to him. And more more importantly, I think it sets up a real test for Georgia. And, And we've talked about it throughout. Georgia just has not given us a reason to vote them the number one team. They've been given multiple chances to impress. They haven't really done it. Kentucky coming in town, red hot, 5-0, and probably feeling as good as they felt in the last decade. It's a chance for Georgia to remind people what they are and what they can be. And if they don't, unlike Auburn, you know, maybe this is a team that can get you. I really didn't fear Auburn could get Georgia even on a mid to bad day. I think yeah. Kentucky could get Georgia if they have a bad day. I, now, I don't think they're going to have a bad day. It's at home. That plays a huge part Not of that. Two weeks in a row. Lad McConkie's going to – you're going to get more out of Lad McConkie as he continues to mm-hmm. heal. And, and obviously, Brock Bowers is going to do his thing. And, I, look, I don't think they're going to give up 280 yards rushing to one guy. So, that certainly helps. But, uh, look, Kentucky's got a pretty good defense, too. And they got a couple guys – Along that front, they had nine tackles for loss uh, against the yeah. Florida Gators. And so um, Kentucky's primed and ready for it. Now, on the flip side of this, when you look at Florida, Garrett, there's a lot of blame to be placed. And mm-hmm. and on the field, you could talk about Graham Mertz and whatever uh, like that. But that doesn't. Graham, Graham looked pretty good. Like, he was fine. I'm not yeah. playing it. 25 to 30, 244. The num the numbers are fine, fine. but it's, it, yeah, the yeah. numbers themselves are fine, but it, it it's just doesn't scare you. He he doesn't do much for you. He he's no. again no. smart I throws. I don't think it, taking care of what, the ball. He's what you were. Yeah, he's, he's your prototype. Yeah, he's fine. Manager. What's not fine, fine. is the lack of touch. Yeah, but what's not fine is the refusal of this coaching staff year after year, and not even this staff, by the way, not even this regime. It's gone on for a long time get the ball to your best freaking players please like as a florida fan i'm so frustrated why is trevor Etienne not leading this team in touches the same way that damian pierce you had damian pierce and anthony richardson on a team at the same time you didn't get those well, guys it, the ball like it's just getting you your best players the ball it's not that it difficult but when you go down 16 to nothing in the first quarter it completely throws your game you, you, you weren't you down six, but just but, you're not down 16 nothing. It's a 0-0 game, and Trevor Etienne's not your starting running back. Like, like there's basic ideas, uh, and I agree with you. Once the game gets away, the game gets away. That's yeah. totally fine. Um, yeah, if the numbers skew late, fine. But you shouldn't be out-touched. Uh, I mean, he's the most dynamic, most electric player on the team. you got to get him the ball early and try and get something yeah. established and going. They, they refuse to do that. It happened against Tennessee because you rode the hot hand. But even then, he wasn't your lead back. He broke one early, and then you started to ride him. It just just doesn't make sense. The play calling is questionable, Um, and you you know it's not all team with some issues. You you don't have playmakers. You don't have playmakers out wide, and that that hopefully changes with. But uh, look, the the frustrating thing is you get that great win over Tennessee, right? And and I, you're not riding like too high, but the, yeah, you get a little pressure off the back in Napier. You get up to 22. 
You look they like they probably shouldn't have been ranked. Yeah, well, they, were... they should have been ranked based on, but yeah. fine with that. You look like bums against Charlotte. You win the game. Fine, great. Uh, and then this, and now people are starting to pile back on. And I've said the whole time, like there is no need for a hot seat. Like let's not overdo it either way, Even right? On the on the yeah. high or the low. Um, but it's just trends of frustrating things that we see and uh you just you don't want to be frustrated by the simplest of decisions like getting your best player the ball i mean we we've we've asked that question from georgia early on right why isn't brock bowers getting the ball they made some changes brock bowers is getting the ball you start winning games uh i just want florida to do the same that's all man well, I don't think there's a Brock Powers on the uh, the University of Florida. No, I don't think so. Not this year. <laughs> I don't think so. Not this year, certainly. Trevor Etienne's a really talented player, but uh, you got to get him the football. I completely agree. Four touch, four catches for him in this game. You know, a nine and a half per catch. Eleven carries, twenty nine yards. Yeah, the numbers evened out later, but it, he did, he's but got it from the start. Again, you've got to get him the ball. Yeah, especially in a road game where you're playing a, de- a defense that. And, and maybe, I mean, look, this Kentucky defense, you, you mentioned the Kentucky defense. This is a team that bowed their back. I mean, they, they didn't allow Florida to do a damn thing. Like, this is – they showed why they have – they might have the best rush defense in the SEC right now. Yeah. They very well might. Yeah. Statistically, they do. But they might actually have the best one. And when you actually ta- tell me that with a, a running and rushing attack on your side that could run the ball as effectively as they did on Saturday – that's a team that can give Georgia problems next week. That's a team that can contend for an SEC title. And and they were the first. So going back to 2013, there's only been one team that, that started the 4 0 in the, in the SEC uh, that wasn't ranked. It was Missouri back in 2013. Since then, there have been what? I think 37 different teams ranked or that were ranked after starting 4 0. The only one that wasn't ranked was the were these Kentucky Wildcats. And they showed why they should be one of the top 25 teams in the country. They will be. I think they jumped to 20, uh, if yep. I'm not mistaken. Yeah, um, and we'll see what they can do when they ride into Athens. They're riding pretty high. This is their first favorite. They were the favorites for the first time in this rivalry going back to 1988. It was a long time. Uh, and they really showed us something on Saturday. But, Abe, I want to move into our takeaways for the week because I've got a big one. And I think it's probably going to be consistent. It's going to be something that you agree with. George is not there yet. They're not a team that's going to be contending for a national title right now. I think when we get to the end of the season, they're going to be back in, back in action, and they're going to be a team that's going to be in the playoff just because I don't think there's anybody in the SEC that can give them problems for all four quarters because what we've seen is a team that doesn't know how to put together full four quarters, but when they actually do in second halves of games, they're fine. Like They're going to be fine. But until we see them put all four quarters together, I'm not going to be a believer that they can beat a Washington I'm not going to be a believer that they can beat a Texas or a Michigan or a Penn State or an Ohio State. Those are teams that have shown that they can win in a variety of ways and against better opponents, really. I know Michigan and Penn State haven't faced those top opponents, but they're only going to have to face one of those guys, and one of those three is going to come out of the Big Ten. But at this point, I am not fully convinced that the University of Georgia is the the best team in the country. I really don't think that they are, uh, at least with what we've seen this year. I think that this is a team, they've been playing possum a bit, uh, and I don't know if it's a talent thing. I don't know if it's just a continuity thing because you lose Stetson Bennett, you lose uh, Darnell Washington, you, you lose your left tackle, you, you graduate a ton of players on defense. Maybe the, the attrition just caught up to them this year. Maybe that's really what it comes down to. You lose your starting quarterback, you lose your running backs, you, many of your top receivers, A.D. Mitchell is off at Texas. 
And I think we're finally seeing some of that catch up to them. Uh, I don't know if it's actually going to come up and bite them until we reach the college football playoff. I was talking, maybe it was some, maybe it was on this show, or, or or maybe it was somewhere else. But I was having a conversation with, with somebody, and they compared this team to that 2014 Florida State team. You know, the team that goes undefeated in the regular season. They run through the ACC. They nearly lose to Georgia Tech in the ACC title game, but that's not the point. They go 14 and 0, and they win the. Or they go 13 and 0, and they win the ACC. They never tested, but they also never really looked that good. There's no other team in the ACC at that year that, year that could really run with them, at least the ones on their schedule. And then we see them week, uh, in, in the, the first round of the playoff, again, in the Rose Bowl against Oregon, and they get blown off the field because they just faced a team that was more ba- battle-tested, a team that grew up during the season and had a Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback. And look, they got blown off the field. And I'm a little worried that's, that's what we're going to see from Georgia this year if, if they really are tested. And, and, yes, they won the game. This is a, They grew up a lot in this game. But right now, I'm not fully convinced that they're the best team in the country. Yeah, I, look, I, I, I think you're spot on on a number of points. They have no business being the number one ranked team in the land beyond the fact that people just don't change their votes if teams don't lose. But there have been multiple teams that I would argue have been more impressive, whether it's resume-based, which is one way to look at it, but even performance-based is another way to look at it. And I'm looking squarely at Michigan. I mean, this is a Michigan team that has not allowed more than seven points in a game to anyone. They've won every game by at least 25 points. They are a complete team, offense, defense, special teams. We knew what they've done uh, the past two years in regards to the Big Ten Conference. Uh, and so they didn't win the national championship the last two years. Georgia did. But – uh, they've been right there, and they seem to be right there again. And look, at the end of the day, there's a reason no team has three-peated in 90-something years or, or however, whatever the math works out to since Minnesota did it, and it's just difficult to do. Now, that being said, I also agree with you that the book is not closed on Georgia's chance to repeat. Mm-hmm. They are still undefeated. They can still grow. They can get they'll healthy. they'll still be in the final. They'll, they'll be in the playoffs. I, I, I don't know if they will or won't, but 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 the fact that they haven't impressed me yet doesn't mean nothing. They're undefeated, and if you keep winning games, that's where you'll find yourself, undefeated in an SEC championship and, and, and college football playoffs. But you got to take care of business, and obviously that includes this, this coming week against Kentucky at home. That would be a really big step for them. But my takeaway is kind of tied into that. It is tied into Georgia being – look, pedestrian's not the right term. They're still winning games, and its stretch is looking very good. Um, but beyond Georgia, there have been a number of teams with opportunities to impress, and thus far, not many teams are. Now, you've got certain games, right? You've got Texas going to Alabama and taking care of business. Very impressive, but then – flat against Wyoming, flat in the first half against Kansas. And, and you've seen that in, in other games throughout. Uh, I thought Florida State flat against Boston College was able to scrounge out a win there in overtime in a game that we thought a lot of people thought they were not the better team that given day. Um, mm-hmm. you, you got, in my opinion, a Penn State team that started very slow. They eventually pulled away as well. Uh, Ohio State had to re- – I mean, last play of the game, what are you going to say? Uh, USC, uh, I mean, gave up 40 points. I'm still waiting for someone 
to step away from the pack. And that doesn't mean that they can't be beaten this year. But I'm looking for one team to chase. And I don't have that yet. Honestly, if it were me, a first-place vote would be going to Michigan. They've been the most impressive and, more importantly, consistently impressive. And I think that's part of it is they're the one team that that I look at is thus far complete. And, you know, again, uh, it'll be real interesting to see how the not now we have the rankings. The AP poll is out now and Michigan got a boatload of first place votes. Twelve. Texas has ten. Florida State got four. Georgia lost 20 first place votes. They're down to 35. Yeah. And now that's still that's still, uh, you know, almost three times yeah. as many as anyone else. Right. So and, and, and whatever. Uh, and, and look, if they beat Kentucky, they're not going to lose that many votes. But but I will say so. this. Uh, they may, uh, depending on how it plays out. But we'll Texas, see. We'll see. if Texas can beat Oklahoma, they're going to gain some first place votes. And, and I know that it starts to ramp up. You mentioned Oregon, Washington, winner of that game. They're going to get a bunch of first place votes, too. And, and whenever uh, it ramps up for Michigan, they, they can steal a couple as well. But there's just no team that's separating themselves as the, the team to chase right now. I find that very interesting. Uh, obviously, the last two years has been pretty clear that it, it was Georgia. Uh, and I guess going all the way back, you know, based on how that year played out, maybe Alabama was in that discussion too. Um, yeah. But a lot of years we've had someone jump out. No one has jumped out this year. Uh, the voting is as wide open all over the place as I can remember it. And um, honestly, if voters weren't cowards, there should be other teams that are getting first place votes. I, I, I refuse to understand why Penn State doesn't have a single first place vote. Washington had a first place vote. And lost it. And now we talk about teams that had a chance to impress and didn't. Washington squeaked by Arizona. They only won 31-24. So the offense didn't ramp up point-wise. They allowed the defense uh, didn't ramp up in terms of shutting down a lesser opponent. So I understand. But Oregon's not getting first-place vote. I wouldn't have been surprised if USC had been getting first-place vote. So uh, spread out as they are you got five different teams getting first-place votes. I actually think it could be as many as eight or nine. That's how wild we are. What are we, like 40% of the season in? And you've got that many teams getting first-place votes. It just further emphasizes the point. No one has separated themselves from the pack. But over the next two or three weeks, I do think you get that. It starts next week, Texas and Oklahoma, chance for Texas to separate. Mm -hmm. And again, Georgia hosting Kentucky. If they look impressive, chance for them to separate as well and and really get to the point that you've been saying, which is remind people that you are a national championship contender for a reason. Yeah, you're, no pun intended, but you'll remind people why you're the top dog. Yeah. And uh, look, this is still a football team that hasn't won, lost a game in 22 consecutive games. They've won 22 straight. Um, at the end of the day, they got the win. That's the biggest thing. They feel touchable. It's just they, they feel they, touchable. That's they, the biggest difference between now and, and the past couple of years. It, it's it's honestly not that big of a stretch for me to envision Kentucky walking in and leaving with a, a, a victory. Now, I'm not predicting that. I'm not saying that's going to happen. But it's really not that big of a stretch to to imagine it based on what we just saw against Auburn and, and what we've seen a couple of these others games. You would have never said that uh, about the Georgia team the past couple of years. No, specifically last year when yeah. they, uh, they won the back-to-back titles.
Yeah. Um, the, the AP polls that you have talked about specifically, I mean, 35 votes AP, the coaches poll rather, they're still up at 59. So yeah, I don't they're, really, but then again, like I've stopped kind of trusting the coaches poll very much. I don't really think it's, well, like people, look, people don't change votes if you don't lose. And, and that's understandably no. so we've Especially actually seen coaches. that. Yeah. Coaches, coaches are very consistent until they lose. They're not going to be knocked off that top perch. Yeah. Uh, and, and I respect, and I can respect that to a degree. Um, they haven't exactly looked like the most dominant team in the country, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because if you win your games, you win the games that are on your schedule, you're going to be playing in the college football playoff and you'll have a chance to win a third national championship for the first time in the AP poll era. Last thing for you, Abe, I know this is a little, I'm a little off schedule here. Last thing, we're going to do this quickly. I know we're running up right on the end of this, but I want you to give me your top six teams. I want to, I want to know your four playoff teams. I want to know your last two out. I'll, I'll give you a second to think about it. And I'm just going to go first. Okay. So. I'm looking at this bunch. I'm going to start with Georgia. They're going to be my number one team. College football playoff. One, two, three, four. My number one team is Georgia. They just got to be there. They're just going to be that dude uh, until proven otherwise for me. Number two, Michigan. I think Michigan has dominated this. The the first time that their offense has scored 30 points or more in every game to start a season since 1976. 1976. This is a storied uh, football team that has taken their team to new heights. Um, number three is going to be Texas. I think they have the best win of anybody in college football this year. The win that they had at Alabama is such a huge deal. I know people point to Ohio State. People are going to talk about them specifically. But, and, I, and if you have them in your top four, I would be completely fine with that. But I think Texas has the best win of any team in college football right now. Number four, this is where I'm a little in between teams. You could, you could say Florida State. I could say Oregon. I can say Washington. And I'm going to say Ohio State because I think that they have the second best win of anybody in college football, and that's the win at Notre Dame, a game that they probably had no business winning, a game that I thought Notre Dame was the best team, but Ohio State does get the win. Um, my next two teams, I'm going to have Florida State. They probably have the best pair of wins. I know we talked about that on Saturday with John Frickie. They have the best pair of wins when it comes down to at Clemson, and then you have LSU, which LSU, that, that win's looking not quite as good as the weeks go on. Uh, and then my next team is Washington. Uh, I think they're going to be number six. There's just so many good teams up there. I, I think that six, seven, eight, nine, those are all going to be Pac-12 teams for me right now. Um, until proven otherwise, until we actually have one. Hopefully one emerges because I want to see one team represented from the Pac-12. But it remains to be seen. Abe, what about you? Yeah, I, I mean, I obviously kind of spoiled it over the past 10 minutes. I, I think Michigan has looked like the best team in the country. Uh, sure. They would be my number one team right now. Um until further notice, I would go with Texas. Uh, I like you said that went over Alabama, um, and look, they'll they'll pr- either prove it or not prove it this coming week. Uh, but a- as it stands now, um, I'm going to mix things up. Uh, look, Georgia to me has not shown me anything to make them in this discussion at the moment. Not this season. I understand. What, you know, you're not going to discount them until they lose. I am. Uh, they, sure. they have not done that for me. Um, So I don't even have them in my top four right now. I don't have them in my top five. Um, Give me Oregon and and what they did. I I think that game against Colorado, and and look, I'm not going to oversell Colorado. They're obviously limited in multiple facets. But that was a dominating performance, and and Oregon has ramped it up uh, week in and week out. Um, And I have them over Washington right now. A lot of that's based on what we saw from from, – Washington uh, th- this past week. Uh, Oregon had to fight against Texas Tech, a road game week two. 
And, and look, it'll get settled uh, whether they're actually going to be here at the end of the year. But as of right now, I, I think what they did to a, a red hot Colorado team, um, I've got them. I've got FSU next. Uh, I, I just think the quality of their wins, uh, whether it they start to downgrade or not over time, um, they weren't dominant against Clemson. They probably should have lost that game similar to how Ohio State probably should have lost against Notre Dame. But they did get a win. Uh, they did win uh, against the LSU as well. I think, again, I'm going slightly on the eye test and slightly on resume. I'm not taking into account who they brought back or who you had last year. And so I'm going to sure. put FSU there. Uh, Penn State uh, is going to be my fifth team. I just think they've been very impressive. That game over Iowa was extremely impressive. It was a slow start this past weekend, um, but but uh, they ramped it up and ended up cruising to a victory. Uh, and then I'll, I'll throw Georgia in there at, at six. They are still undefeated. Um, wow. but, but, again, I, I, I'd almost lean towards not having them in more than having them in if we're having a real debate based on what we've seen this year. They have not been impressive on offense. They have not been impressive on defense. Um, and, and they just haven't been a dominant team. I think there's a number of teams that you could realistically talk about down the line that, that you would have in front of them. Uh, you look, uh, you asked me to name six teams. I think uh, uh, of the six, I don't have Washington. I don't have Ohio State, who's got that crazy good win. I don't have USC. Uh, uh, I don't have Washington State, who's got a ranked victory. Um, Dave, do you know what is something awesome? What's that? Almost all these teams have to play each other. Oh, they're, they're, it's all going to get figured oh, out. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's all going to so get figured out. Look, yeah. uh, Michigan and Penn State are going to – yeah, they, they're all going to get figured out. Um, some sooner rather than later, right? Like Texas is either going to lock themselves in, barring a major disaster down the road with a win over Oklahoma, or they're out because uh, yeah. they don't have room for error. Uh, there's too many mm -hmm. other good teams. So, yeah, but, but right now, it, just in terms of – again, I'm combining who's looked the most impressive – with who I think has the best resume, most impressive wins, et cetera, et cetera. I'd go Michigan, Texas, Oregon, FSU as my four teams in, and my other two are uh, Penn State and UGA. I think the, 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 there's a lot of football left to be played. Oh, a lot plenty of, of it. Left to be played. you got seven games left in the season. And, and look, if Georgia left. beats Kentucky this coming week, they're going to jump three of these teams. Like they, they would. It, it, but I just need to see one good quality win against a real opponent. Auburn on the road's sure. a decent win, but it's not, you know. But if they beat a ranked Kentucky team, they're 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 jumping over Oregon, in my opinion. They're they're jumping over Florida State, in my opinion. So yeah. you know, it, there's going to be a lot of fluidity here. Sounds good. Well, this is going to be something that we're going to continue to talk about because we have a college football playoff ranking that's coming out in three weeks, and I'm very ready for that. I want to see what they have to say because last year we had a little bit of drama at the top. Tennessee was rated as the number one team in the country, whereas Georgia was the number one team in the AP poll. So lots of interesting discussions that we're going to be having throughout the course of the year. So for you, if you want to start listening in every single Monday morning, we're going to be right here on YouTube, on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us there. Uh, I'm really excited to be joined by Abe Gordon throughout the rest of this, this season and on Saturdays on College Football Game Time on Sports Radio 92 on the game every single Saturday from 8 till noon until we lead off into some great college football action. We've got lots more lots more to discuss. Lots more to discuss, but we're going to say that until Saturday because that's all she wrote for college football overtime. So for Abe Gordon, my name is Garrett Chapman. This is College Football Overtime. We'll catch you right here 
next week.